delayed start here because we need a quorum in the room, and we won't have that until
federated city employees retirement system. And we will begin with a roll. Uh, Vice Chair Jennings. Here. Uh, Trustee Abbott. Here. Trustee Avasti is not here. Trustee Chandra. Here. Trustee Faulkner. Here. And Trustee Linder. Here. Excellent. Um, May I qualify uh, Trustee Jennings and uh, Trustee Linder for Please. under the traditional Brown Act. So Trustee Jennings, are you teleconferencing from the address of 58855 East Hilton Drive, Bullock Street, California? Yes. And is the location from where you are teleconferencing from 88 accessible and open to the public? Yes. And if a member wants to be heard from that location, can they be heard? Yes. And have you posted the agenda outside the door of where you are teleconferencing from? Yes. Uh, same questions to you, Trustee Linder. Are you teleconferencing from the address of 5017 Lawai Road, Kaloa, Hawaii? Yes. And is that location from where you're teleconferencing from ADA accessible and open to the public? Yes. And if a member wants to be heard from that location to the board, would that be possible? Yes. And have you posted the agenda on the outside of your location? Yes. Okay, thank you. Great, thank you, uh, Council Chin. Uh, so orders of the day, we have a closed session time, certain item at 10 a.m. Um, uh, Maytac, were we trying to insert a, another closed session item, I was informed? Yes, so, um, <coughs> excuse me. There has something that, something has arisen that requires the board to take immediate action and the need for action came to our attention after the agenda was posted. The discussion and action requested to be added to the agenda involves anticipated litigation. Pursuant to government code section 54956.9 subdivision D2, it will be held in closed session. The motion will need to pass by two thirds of the vote of the us present um, in order to proceed. Do Case. I have such motion? So do we have a motion to add this uh, emergency item to our closed session agenda? I so move. We have a motion from Trustee Abbott, a second? Uh, I'll se uh, second from, I, I second. Second from Trustee Chandra. Any uh, discussion, any public comment? We will have a roll call just of the members who are present in the room. Uh, Trustee Abbott? Yes. Uh, Trustee Chandra? Trustee Faulkner? Aye. And I vote aye as well, so it is now and, added. And, and those online as well. Need oh, to I see, okay. And uh, Trustee Linder? Aye. And Trustee Je uh, Vice Chair Jennings? Aye. Okay, so that is now added to the agenda. Um, under orders of the day, it mentions that we have the next Joint Personnel Committee meeting uh, Tuesday, March 19th. Not quite sure why we have that on the orders of the day. Uh, wave sunshine, there is no need to wave sunshine. Um, so we will then uh, vote on, oh, we have to vote on the orders of the day? Or we just did? Uh, that was just to add that particular item. Okay. You still need so to no vote other, on no other changes the to the order of the day. Uh, at this time, we will take public comments on items that are under the general review of this board, but which are not tied to a specific agenda item. Is there anyone in the room or online waiting to make public comments? And I'm seeing that there are none. I, I thought I saw something that said 
people had to be that is agendized and we will be discussing okay. that specific issue um, so then we are on to the consent calendar uh, do we have a motion to yeah. approve the consent calendar so moved we have a motion from trustee Chandra second second, second from trustee Abbott any discussion any public comment we will vote uh, trustee Abbott Aye. trustee Chandra Aye. trustee Faulkner Aye. trustee Linder Aye. vice chair Jennings and I vote aye as well. The consent calendar is approved. Uh, we are now on to agenda item number two, uh, death and survivorship. We will have a moment of silence for those who have served the city and who have passed. Thank you. Item number three, investments. Uh, Mr. Kwan. Tell us the good news. <laughs> good morning. Good news is that there's no investment agenda items. Um, so, but, yeah, but the market's on fire. I mean, come on, you got to give us something. Then don't, don't we, <laughs> we normally have an update on, on uh, what, where we are fiscal year to date? Yes, I have those numbers for you. So okay. fiscal year to date, the Fed pension, this is through the 13th. Uh, so the Fed pension fiscal year to date is estimated to be up 4.11%. And the Fed Healthcare Trust is estimated to be up 3.79%. And that was as of the 13th, so as that is, Couple so days. that was on Tuesday? Yeah. That's in close of business Tuesday? Yes. Okay. And so remember, those are, those are estimates. Uh, sure. Uh, part of that is just based off of index returns, so I wouldn't yeah. take the two decibel points to you know, a, a certain level of precision. Right, right, but Tuesday was a particularly down day and right. Wednesday was a recovery day, so yes. you're, giving us the, <laughs> you're giving us the worst of the best. Yes, mm -hmm. that's Happy my job time. here. Um, <laughs> so uh, other than that, that's really only a, a objective data point. I mm -hmm. wanted to let you know that um, at the upcoming IC meeting, we'll be talking about some uh, kind of weightier topics, includes, including the updated uh, capital market assumptions, mm -hmm. and the, we'll kick off the pre-funding process, the little dance we have with the sponsors. So Very good. Uh, coming in next week. Excellent. Looking forward to that. Any questions from trustees? here or online. Any questions from members of the public? Okay, hearing none, we'll move along. Thank you, Mr. Kwan. No old business, so we're on to new business. An oral update from the CEO, Mr. Pena. Thank you, uh, thank you, Mr. Chair, and uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, um, I, first, I want to uh, thank the board for allowing me to join uh, remotely uh, this morning. Um, I have a quick uh, oral update. Uh, wanted to let you know that, uh, as you know, January 31st was the last day. Retirees uh, 1099R forms for their tax filing for 2023 were all mailed out timely uh, last month. In addition, wanted to share with you that the guarantee purchasing power uh, for 2023, guarantee purchasing power is a benefit that is provided to retirees that are tier one to make sure that they stay at least at a 75% purchasing power from their date of retirement. So in any given year, as you know, the last few years, uh, inflation has uh, been uh, really high. Uh, this uh, benefit um, is calculated so that if their uh, original benefit uh, in terms of purchasing power drops below 75% from the day of retirement, uh, 
um, we will add enough uh, funds to make them bring them back to 75%. So that um, that benefit will be actually paid uh, for those that qualify um, this coming month in February. Um, in Roberto, addition, can you yes. Explain that a little bit more. So is this? Yeah, I'm I'm a little confused by that. So. So say you retire as a retiree tier one and you get your cost of living every year three percent right mm -hmm. right uh but let's assume that every year inflation is actually five percent uh -huh. so you get three percent you're losing two percent every year right at some point at some point two percent per year you're going to be uh the base of your benefit will be um uh, a lagging uh, with the cpi lagging your purchasing power over 25 percent this benefit allow us to keep you at that level. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yes. Oh. But so, I don't know. Do you want to yeah, yeah, explain and, that correctly? You, 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 you did, did explain it directly or correctly, and, and and it comes in the form of a lump sum payment. You know, they'll get one payment that would bring them up to that that seventy five percent. Is it an annual? Is it an annual? It is annual and it's paid every February. Okay, annual paid every uh, February. So it's reassessed on an annual basis. Is that it? That's correct. That's correct. And all right, so if you don't, you know, if you retire with 20 years in your tier one, then you, you know, only get, you know, what is that, 40, 50%? Uh, so is it same at a 50% level or is it? I mean, he, he said 75. I'm just wondering if it's... Yeah, yeah, the 75% is for purchasing power. I'm not talking about your percentage of the benefit based on the formula. It, it oh. is a 75% purchasing power protection. So whatever you start, whether you retire with 20 years or with 10 yeah. years or 30 years, mm -hmm. it, it, it's a, that's why I made the explanation uh, comparing the, the cost of living that you're receiving vis-a-vis -vis mm -hmm. the actual CPI because that's really what makes the difference. Whenever that, that delta gets higher than 25%, you will be entitled to a long-term amount. Up to 75%. Correct, yes. Interesting. And, and what about police and fire? Do they go up to Same. 90%? Yes. Oh, they no, 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 it's at 25%. <laughs> Again, don't confuse your, your yeah. benefit structure percentage, right? Like you get 90% mm -hmm. of finance. That's not what I'm talking about. This has to right. do with 75% from the moment you retire, 75% of your purchasing power. Mm -hmm. So any year that your cost of living lacks the actual increase mm -hmm. in cost of living, you're going to be losing purchasing power from 100% on your day of retirement to whatever that delta is every year. So it may go down oh, to 99%. And it's just an annual, it's an annual snapshot. So it's just 3% that tier one gets as a CPI, but inflation is at 7%. So they'll get four percent more times seventy-five percent. Yeah, but but again, not from the get-go. Only once you go all the way down to seventy-five percent purchasing power. In other words, if you start today at one hundred percent, Julie, mm -hmm. you need to lose say five percent oh, every you year until you get uh, to seventy-five percent. At that point, we give I you see. that check. Okay. Roberto, Roberto given that you have yeah. to. It does take quite a while to accumulate that level of deficit, as it were. Correct. How many yes. people are actually getting this uh, purchasing power uplift? That's a good one. 
Do we have that number? I see Sandra and I see uh, Barbara. Do we have yeah, that number? Sandra, Sandra? may, may have, have the number. number. It's it's not a large it's not, number. Between ten and fifteen people for federated and a oh, similar wow. amount for yeah. police okay. and fire. So it's, a, it's a pretty, pretty rare, rare circumstance. That... Yes, yeah, very small, and they're typically the people who've been retired a longer time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So okay. Don't get too excited. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's correct. <laughs> that, that's correct. And the reason for that, Julie, obviously, uh, CPI has not been really high for the last. Yeah. 20, 25 years, except for obviously the last couple of years, right? Right, that, that right. It went really high. So yeah. you have okay. to really be retired for a long, long time, at least yeah. these days, yeah. uh, to, to get to the 75%. Thank okay. you, Spencer. That's a very good point. Okay. Okay. All right. So a couple of more comments. Uh, retirees impacted. Uh, well, um, since I mentioned that, the cost of living increase, the 3% due in April, uh, will be provided in the April paycheck. Retiree impacted by 415 limits, that is the Internal Revenue Code section that actually limits how much we can pay on a, on a uh, from the federal standpoint, on a pension benefit annually. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll see their adjustments as well uh, for 2023, at their April 2023 uh, retirement payment. Um, Finally, I want to mention a couple of updates with staff. Uh, the disability analyst position has been filled with Veronica Solorio. Welcome, Veronica, to the office. She started on February 5th. Uh, and Melissa Lopez joined the Office of Retirement Services last month, January 22nd, as a pension analyst. She actually transferred uh, to us from the city clerk's office. Uh, unfortunately, we, uh, we were actually fully staffed from one by weekly. No longer we are, as Han Van, who was a senior benefit analyst, actually left our office. And she accepted a position with the uh, Water District. This is the third member of the office that we have lost to the Water District uh, yeah. over the last you know uh, few why? months. Because they pay more. <laughs> yes, we are Thanks. well aware of that. Um, <laughs> and uh, finally, just wanted to let you know that the offices of retirement services will be closed on Monday, February 19th, uh, on celebration of President's Day. That concludes my comments, Mr. Chair. Happy to answer any questions. All right. Thank All right, you, thank Mr. You, Mr. CEO. Are there any questions from trustees? Any questions from members of the public who may be online? Seeing none. Uh, would go to 5B, oral update from city council liaison. Is there anyone here from Deb Davis's office or is she online? She'll be joining at 10.30? Okay, so we will uh, delay this item until then. Thank you. Uh, 5C, a discussion and action to authorize the CEO to negotiate a second amendment uh, for our agreement with Chiron. And uh, we have a presentation on that. So this item was, excuse me, this item was supposed to be um, two items originally. It was to extend, um, it was to add additional funds for the fiscal year 23-24 for $75,000 and then to discuss the timeline and process for obtaining a new actuary. However, because of the police and fire board meeting last, um, earlier this month, they decided to extend their contract for one year and so we are asking to do the same thing so we can keep the um, timeline the same for both plans. Mm -hmm. So with that, we're asking for $300,000 for um, fiscal year 24-25 and um, a total of 375 for the until mm -hmm. then. 
So we would have normally gone out for, for RFP f to uh, look at other actuaries in a years at the end of this fiscal year, but now we're extending it by an additional year. That's yeah. correct because um, the police, well, um, the boards are, you know, they have their hands full with all the things that are going on with the policy updates and then mm -hmm. with the CEO search. So they thought that it would be better to extend it by one year and then. Um, right. So I actually have a question because I looked at this and it said that originally the contract was for five years from 2016 to 2025, 2021, 21. and then it got extended to 2024 and we're planning mm -hmm. to extend it again. That's correct. And it seems to me like that sort of violates our idea of, of sending things out to RFP mm -hmm. um, sooner. And I'm wondering if this is appropriate mm -hmm. for us to, to delay again, despite the mm -hmm. fact that we have a, a CEO search yeah. in place. Uh, Council Chin, it looks like you might have something to impart. Sure. So um, I was going to ask something similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so currently I believe, and, and Benji can correct me, I think we've worked with Chiron for the last several years. The only thing that here that we're dealing with is we're doing a, a basically a one-year extension and then deciding again at that point to issue an RFP. Um, currently, our contracting procurement process provides for us every six years to review. And I, I believe at this point, considering everything that the board has currently on deck, that it would be in the best discretion of the board to continue it. It's prudent in this manner. Um, that's not to say that at a later date, once we've crossed that bridge and done all our um, due diligence for our executive uh, CEO, that we would be able to then hire a new actuary. Part of the reason why we want to continue it is just that when we do get the new CEO in place, we do want them to get up to speed and be able to decide whether or not they want to stick with the actu actuary or get a new vendor mm -hmm. and whatnot. And, and did Chiron, uh, did we first uh, engage with them in 2016, or were they our actuary prior to that as well? They were our, our actuary since uh, 2011. Since 2011. Yeah, okay. and, and the backup materials uh, provided, I, you know, mm -hmm. I haven't looked at this particular backup material, but the memo mm -hmm. that I read from staff was that, generally speaking, the GAFOA required, recommends that uh, for mm -hmm. actuaries, we do have a five-year contract because of the complexity mm -hmm. of these plans. And I believe that we've had them now for approximately 13 years. Mm -hmm. So currently, you know, we're still within the two-year period if we were to apply those five years. So mm -hmm. it's within reason to continue. And I will observe that if police and fire has already voted to extend the contract, that largely ties our hands. We can't Easily. No, that's, that's not necessarily no. true. Both plans can have different actuaries. Right? Um, mm -hmm. It's more efficient to have one. Mm -hmm. okay. And but we have um, had different ones in the past, too. That's right. We have had different ones in the past? Okay. So right. I, yes, uh, I did. So let me just quickly, just 30 seconds, a couple of things. Uh, we, I agree with Council uh, Chin. Uh, it is more efficient if, if both boards have the same consultants. Way back in the past, even before I started with the office, uh, both boards had different uh, actuary consultants and investment consultants as well. So uh, it's not something that we we uh, we do not prefer that approach, but you certainly have the right to do that. I also wanted to quickly mention the um, the options of uh, actuary firms that actually are involved in California in the public arena is somewhat limited as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, not that that is part of the consideration to extend it for one more year. It's more on the lines of what Council Chin explained about allowing the new CEO to 
make sure as they have relationships and experience working with different consultants to to get mm -hmm. a chance to get to know Chiron and and, and decide you know once mm -hmm. uh, the the office embarked in this uh, work next year to offer his thoughts to the boards on a selection. But I think that's also mm -hmm. a, a big consideration is the fact that uh, mm -hmm. the, the players in this arena uh, are very limited. Uh, there's less than a handful of them. And, and you already know both of them. I mean, you already know two of them, which are Chiron and the, uh, your actual auditor, which is Seagull. Actually, in the past, when both boards had different mm -hmm. um, actual consultants, um, one of them was actually Seagull. For the other, for the other plan. For me, this is a procedural. Substantively, I've, I've been I've been on the board seven years. Mm -hmm. Tyrone's doing a great job, um, I, and I think it's prudent and it makes sense. I would just suggest that next year we really do an RFP, even regardless of whatever issues we have going on. That's all yeah, I wanted so, to say. Yeah, so that's mm -hmm. what uh, Police and Fire had decided to. It's okay, just kind of basically mm -hmm. to bring us yeah. through. So currently the Chiron contract expires at the end of this fiscal year. And so if we were to issue an RFP, it would be a very, very expedited process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And okay. with the transition of you know hiring and getting mm -hmm. them up to speed and transferring all those documents and whatnot, it's just kind of a lot in, at, in, at this juncture. Not to say that we can't issue an RFP come October <coughs> or mm -hmm. somewhere right. else down the line and giving ourselves more time. Mm -hmm. Great. And just one other question. Uh, if both boards do employ uh, the same firm, <coughs> is there any cost saving to be realized for that? That's a question for uh, the finance. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, they know our plan, so mm -hmm. it would be more efficient. They wouldn't have to get to. But there is um, a provision where it says if it, we do have the same actuary for at least five years, then we have to have a different auditing actuary. And then I also just found the, um, the best practices from GFOA. Uh, mm -hmm. They say that while reviewing actuarial, co actuarial contracts is an important part of due process, frequently rebidding or changing actuaries can be time consuming and expensive. It can also lead to the plan being serviced by individuals who are not familiar with its more complicated provisions. The GFOA therefore recommends that contracts for actuarial valuations be for multi-year periods of at least five years. Okay. Yeah. So clearly there are switching costs if you want to go to a new actuary. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, would you like to make a motion? Yeah, I'd like to make a motion that we uh, authorize the CEO to negotiate and execute the Second Amendment to the Chiron contract. Uh, do we have a, do we have a, so that's a motion from my Trustee Chandra, a second from Trustee Faulkner. Any further discussion by trustees? Any public comment? <coughs> Hearing none, we will vote. Trustee Abbott? Aye. Trustee Chandra? Aye. Sorry, aye. Trustee, <coughs> Trustee Faulkner? Aye. Uh, trust, <coughs> Trustee Linder? Aye. Vice Chair Jennings? Aye. And I vote aye as well, so that carries. And I believe we are on to item 5D. Uh, I know Trustee Faulkner has been looking forward to this with great anticipation. Um, uh, discussion and action on adoption of the uh, cost of living adjustment for qualified participants under the grandfather rule. Good morning, uh, Barbara Heyman, Deputy Director mm -hmm. at ORS. Uh, so this resolution is setting the COLA rate for qualified participants impacted by 415 limits. Uh, this is done annually by the board. Um, if a member joined this system prior to January 1st, 1990, they are considered a qualified uh, participant under IRC rules. 
uh, their allowance cannot be lower than what it would have been um, or what they would have received under the rules of the system on October 14th, 1987. Um, now, the IRC uh, 415 limit caps the retirement amount uh, that the retirement system can pay uh, retirees, and for 2024, that limit is two, uh, 275,000. So back in 1987, uh, the COLA rules were different than they are today. Today, it's a 3% flat rate that's um, uh, paid. Uh, but back then, the COLA was set by the board annually, and it was based on the CPI, uh, December over December for the prior year. Um, so for 2023-22, the, uh, the rate is 2.6. Um, and so this resolution is setting the COLA at the 2.6 and then um, 0.4 from prior year excesses, um, like we know it as the bank, uh, to bring it up to 3%, which is the max. Okay. Thank you. Are there any questions from trustees? I'm not sure this question is extremely important, but is there a, given that there's this limitation with 415B, of how much they can receive um, is similar question to the last one. Is there a lot? Are there a lot of retirees that run into the 415B limits? Um, you know, um, a lot. Um, no, but maybe Sandra, do you have the federated? How many are impacted? Yeah, I do. Um, in in this year for 2024, we're expecting 26 impacted federated retirees, and and um, that includes. Um, surviving spouses and um, ex-spouses and 11 of those are impacted by this grandfather rule right thank you any any other questions from trustees so we you are um, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm oh okay uh, please uh, go ahead. Okay, so 2.6%, I heard it is the COLA. And then you mentioned something about 0.4% is the excess. So um, these people that are grandfathered or these people, one, that were retired prior to the standard 3% for Tier 1? Am I getting this correct? So they they actually have to retire. I'm sorry, Sandra. Were you going to speak or Barbara? No, 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 no. it's Barbara. No. So, these, so are, these are these are members that joined the system prior to January first, nineteen ninety. Um, yeah, and so when they joined the system prior to nineteen ninety, uh, the IRC now um, considers them qualified participants. So it's not necessarily when they retired. But when they were hired, oh, yeah, yeah. So they were hired, they were hired so four, years, four years ago, or early. Or early. Well, they could have been, been retired yesterday, but if they were hired right. prior to that October first, nineteen ninety date, mm -hmm. that's okay. yeah. Okay, so people that were hired prior to January first, nineteen ninety. No, January first, nineteen ninety. Oh, January. Yeah, are considered qualified participants under the IRC rules. So I'm assuming almost no current employees who are working 
are in this category. This must be an almost entirely retired. Well, we have not, we, many, but not we have many. We have a couple of very few. Okay. A couple of long-serving, very, very long-serving. Long yeah. Okay, and so they were hired prior to January first, nineteen ninety, and so they get a cola. Do they get brought? All right. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, do they get brought up to that three percent? Because I heard you say two point six. So, so there's two things uh, go on. Um, so for one of these people, if they're a qualified participant, mm -hmm. we every they are their benefit is calculated as it would be for anybody in our retirees, and they're getting their three percent. But if someone is impacted by the 415 limit, that's when we then say, what would their benefit have been under the rules as of October, um, I think it's October 14th, 1987. And, and we do that calculation for them using the CPI um, that the board would have set every year. And we calculate what would they have been paid. And the rules say they cannot be paid any lower than that. So then we do that comparison. If using the old rules, they would have earned a slightly higher benefit, we will pay that benefit and they're allowed to get that higher benefit. When she says higher, Judy, she means higher than the $275,000 limit. Is that correct, Barbara? I mean higher than what the IRC limit would allow them to get paid. And yes, not I mean. everybody is, yeah, it, it, it does get even com more complicated. Not everybody's oh, limit is actually 275,000. Some people are lower depending on age at retirement, post-retirement contributions. There, there's lots of different things. So, that can so the IRC statutory limit dollar amount is 275,000 per year? Yes. Thanks. But they yes. could get more than that if they were hired prior to 1990 in essence. Correct. And yes, we have to do the, the, the comparison between the two and then we'll get the higher of the two benefits. And the IRS is okay with that? Yes. yes. This is yes. the thing and this, because and they this are considered every, the qualified participants under the IRS or IRC mm -hmm. rules. I'm just curious, how much does that kind of, what is that like? Is that like 10,000 more, 20,000 more, you know, if you're an individual in that? It actually does vary, and maybe Sandra, I know Sandra has uh, looked a little bit more closely at the actual numbers. I think, yeah, I think it is in that range, Julie, 10,000 for some. It does vary, and, and there are some people that are consistently year after year right now going with the limits set by the grandfather rules. Mm -hmm. Some people go back and forth. One year, maybe the higher limit is the normal limit under the current rules. Sometimes, you know, and then, you know. So it does vary, and, and I would say it's in the couple, few thousand dollars, 10,000 okay. range. And, and I am and also, also assuming assume that the statutory limit also increases year by year, or is it been fixed at 275 no, for all uh, time? The 275, oh, yes. it is dependent on inflation. So it's indexed for inflation. Mm -hmm. so it, yes. it, it and it goes up normally in $5,000. So when it would increase by $5,000, um, when inflation kind of gets past that, then it'll mm -hmm. jump by 10,000 or 5,000. It jumps in 5,000 type I increments. See, so it's, 
but it could be 10,000 in one year. And actually this year it went from 265,000 from last year to 275 this year because of inflation was running high. Okay. And I imagine even if you take sort of the type of question Trustee Faulkner was asking for, I imagine there are not very many people that are getting that level of pension. That has to be just a few. That's very true, but it is increasing. It's only it's 32 years of service. If you're hired prior to 19, it's so 34. Mm-hmm. Compared, we're in 2024. And if you started at 18, you know, I mean, you could be. And so I, I bet you our, our city manager, if she had been retired, would be in that boat. Yeah, yeah I would know. Yeah, the thing that I would add, 275 is um, the limit, and you have to be 62. There's there's a lot of other kind of underlying rules, and um, that's mm-hmm. the top. It only goes down from there. Yeah. And if you're 55, for um, uh, for uh, a person well, like yeah. Trustee yeah. Jennings yeah. was just describing, yeah. Um, yeah. if they start at 18 and they they uh, are about to retire maybe at the 55, yeah. or even at the 30, which you know 18 plus 30, 48 mm-hmm. years of life, their limit really decreases quite a yeah. lot. Um, by as much as $115,000. So they would be much lower than that. Okay. Um, Sorry to take you guys off the rack. I mean, just so many little nuances that you guys Mm -hmm. do. And um, so, as a trustee, I want to thank you all for your hard work, Sandra for all she does, Barbara for what you do, and Roberto for tracking all these very complicated issues that impact our people. So thank you. Okay, with that said, is there a motion then to adopt the resolution? Thank you, uh, Vice Chair Jennings. We have a motion. Do we have a second? Second. From Trustee Faulkner. Is there any further trustee discussion or questions from the public? Hearing none, we will vote. Trustee Abbott? Aye. Trustee Chandra? Aye. Trustee Faulkner? Aye. Vice Chair Jennings? Aye. Trustee Linder? Aye. And I vote aye as well. So. The resolution is adopted. Move to item 5E. Uh, Discussion and action regarding the adoption of a city memo for the return to in-person public comment in public meetings. Uh, uh, Mr. Pena, are you going to present on this one? Actually, I'm going to turn it over to council. Uh, Maytag has a little bit of understanding of what the requirements are, but I'm certainly able to speak on the matter. Uh, Maytag, would you mind kicking this off? Sure, no problem. So as you'll see with your backup materials for this item, the city issued a memo to all the city boards that mandates that public comments be limited to in-person public comments and for all meetings, which means there is no more virtual appearances allowed at for the public starting on February 6, 2024. Now what this means for the board and our membership are, is two things. One, to comply with the city's directive, we no longer will allow trustees to attend remotely because of the Brown Act uh, requires that if we do make it available for trustees to participate remotely that we have to extend that same courtesy to the public members. and. Our membership, if we decided to do that, would only be able to address the board if they physically come to our meetings. Now, legally, the Brown Act is a state law and allows the trustees to attend virtually either under, one, the traditional 
teleconferencing rules under the Brown Act, which requires posting your address and all the other qualifications that we have provided. But the Brown Act also provides for AB 2449, which allows for trustees to appear virtually on two conditions. One, that there's just cause or an emergency circumstance as defined by the law. Now, the city's directive obviously is more restrictive than what is provided under the Brown Act. And so the board, as a separate entity not controlled by the city, has discretion on whether or not it would like to adopt the city policy requiring only in-person attendance for both the trustees and the public. I note that the city directive does not appear to be permanent and that the city indicates that they would revisit the policy in July. Now, there is, a, as you know, um, some friction between our boards and the city currently in terms of what policies we adopt. Um, one thing I will note is that we have had some instances when we tried to post our agendas with the Brown Act, they, they asked us to remove language relating to the AB 2449 provisions that will allow, you know, in an emergency circumstance if someone had a child care issue, mm -hmm. health issue, or other just cause that arose, uh, you know, on mm -hmm. a, after the agenda posted, they wanted us to remove that language and in some instances uh, refused to post our agenda. So I did want to provide that just background information, which honestly is a little draconian because the, the mm -hmm. state law allows it. The reason why the city has issued this, this directive is that since October of 2023, the city has experienced a lot of hate speech virtually, um, you know, just kind of showing up on Zoom and mm -hmm. saying whatever they, they've said. I will say with our meetings, as you can see, most of the time we don't have that problem, but it is, up, again, up to the board's discretion on whether or not they want to adopt it. And if, if we do, we may have um, a little scuffle with the city, but hopefully they will agree and uh, allow us to continue under the state law. Mr. Chair, uh, before we mm -hmm. go to the trustees, I also want to thank you, Maytag. Very good explanation. I also wanted to share with all of you that I personally reached out by email to our contact person at the mayor's office uh, last week. I copy um, also our two city council liaisons, obviously Ms. Davis for Federated and Ms. Foley for Police and Fire. Um, and I actually, in the email, explained uh, uh, your boards will be uh, addressing this issue at your upcoming meetings, that I couldn't really um, speculate as to what the, the decision by the board was going to be. But I asked for the support in the event that uh, your board selected to continue with uh, the Zoom meetings. I also provided some rationale that what I understood that the city um, is experiencing some hate speeches through Zoom, that that has not been the case for the boards. And I also added that uh, unlike the city, uh, our membership actually lives, uh, we have a, a large number of members that actually live outside the city compounds. We have a large number of members that actually live outside the state, and we even have a, a number of members that live outside the country, and allowing us to continue Zoom meetings uh, not only you know, would allow these members to be able to participate through Zoom. I also indicated that especially for committee meetings, um, using Zoom for our consultants is a very efficient way to conduct business. 
So again, I provided some rationale behind the request. I politely asked for the support and um, they, I did get a response from the office indicating that they appreciated the, the, uh, the email, appreciated providing that rationale um, and they were going to run it up the, uh, through the mayor's office. I'm still waiting to hear back, but I just wanted to share that with you that that's where we are. Uh, great, great. Thank, thank you. you. Um, I did have one question. When I looked at the mm -hmm. memo, it didn't see anything that said that it applied to our trustees. I thought that it only said that it applied to members of the public. Sure. And clarify? Mm. Right. So under the Brown Act, if you allow a trustee to participate remotely, you have to extend the same courtesy out to all the public. And so if we were to allow trustees to attend remotely, which is permissible under the state law, then we would have to make our public comments available by, by Zoom as well. Uh, two questions. Uh, first, um, what did our sister plan, police and fire, choose to do with this? They have not received it. Okay. Uh, it was We didn't receive it in time for their uh, okay. meeting. The second is, if I understood correctly, um, because, because prior to virtual meetings due to COVID, there was a mechanism by which trustees could participate remotely. That's right. Um, and if you follow all the rules and procedures, that would continue if we were to choose to adopt the city's policy? No, that's incorrect. So anytime we use teleconferencing to allow for virtual attendance, we have to extend that same courtesy out to the public under the Brown Act. And so if we were to adopt this mm -hmm. um, and we allowed a trustee to participate remotely by implication at state law, we would have to extend it out for, to the public. For that meeting. For that meeting, correct. So um, if we were to adopt the city's directive, then from now until July, all, all comments and all trustees have to be present in person. And can you, um, I was, you mentioned that the city's refused to, or pushed back at least, on posting some of our agendas because they included the AB 22449 provision, Correct. which is legal under the Brown Act. What right. is their rationale for, for doing that? Is that the, that the city's directive applies to all city boards and committees and commissions, and mm -hmm. they consider our board a city board. And but, so they, but this they new directive back. only just came out now on February 6th or something. That's right. So do they refuse to publish our agenda in the past, or it was just this new agenda that's come out it, It's not this particular 6th. agenda. This agenda was posted before, I think, we, mm -hmm. we were, well, I take it back. It I'm was, not. I, I can speak to that because it was, we were trying to post, uh, Chair Horowitz, the agenda for the upcoming investment committee meeting, mm -hmm. and that's where they send it back to us. Okay, okay. so okay. this right. is not this something is that's so happened historically. This is new right. as a result of this new memorandum from the city. Okay, Correct. that's what I was trying to say. No. No. It's voluntary. So, it's voluntary. <laughs> That's why it's within the board's discretion to determine whether or not they want to accept it. Uh -huh. Because state law, obviously, because it's state law preempts any city laws, um, to the extent there's conflict. So, I mean, I'm certainly reluctant to enter into anything that would be contentious with the city, and particularly not now, but I think for all the reasons that have been articulated, I think we would probably like to continue having hybrid meetings. It has not been an issue to date. I can think of maybe one instance where a public uh, remote comment was drifting in a potentially uh, 
obnoxious direction, but we cut it off and we've got the button to end, end public comment immediately. We do need to be aware that this is something that is growing around the state, so it could happen, but we haven't experienced it yet. Um, with all that considered, would anyone like to formulate a, a, uh, a recommendation on whether or not we adopt the city uh, memorandum? Well, before we do it, maybe I'll be the skunk in the party. I actually would support um, adopting this. Um, and for two reasons. One, I, I, I think with all the issues we have with the city, it's not the hill I would want to die on. And second of all, I've been serving for seven years. The expectation's always been that trustees should be in person, and there was temporary relief. I'm sorry, I think Julie's going to be mad at me. <laughs> but I do, I, do, I do think the meetings are more productive uh, when everything's in person. And um, I do think creating that extra hurdle, I mean, I'm mindful of people who have um, ADA issues, but uh, that extra hurdle for people to be here, look at our wonderful attendance today, I think our ticket prices are too high. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I would be in favor of adopting. I, I okay. And I would also like to add that uh, this would be for our consultants as well. Is that right, Maytech, or not? Correct, consultants and members. Um, certainly it impacts the trustees, but uh, if you remember in my statement uh, for the email that I sent to our contact person at the mayor's office, my reference was to our membership, the public, and consultants. It was not trustees. But your point is well taken, uh, Trustee Chandra. I, I don't disagree with the statement, but uh, I think that's just one piece of the puzzle. Um, if we do that, we are not allowing uh, membership, I don't, the public in general, to attend the meetings in a fashion that is, makes it easier for them. And also um, our consultants, where it may not be such a huge issue for the board meetings, but for committee meetings, we do appreciate uh, allowing consultants, uh, and we do also for the boards to attend remotely and uh, not, you know, not allowing Zoom meetings that would require consultants uh, will be in person, which makes things and the work a little more uh, challenging and costly, that's all. But obviously that's what this item is before you this morning, so you can deliberate and make a decision. I, I just, I, I just, to I, just to comment on that, we, we didn't have issues pre-COVID with, with those uh, uh, people attending, so uh, I think we could comfortably go back to that. But the other point that I would like to raise is that not only do I have a different point of view on this, but I mean, we're looking at climate change here, guys. I mean, the world does acknowledge that. And when we go back to what it was, now we have all these consultants who are in different areas who have to get on planes, who have to drive, who have to rent cars, who have to come here. And for a half an hour talk for a you know i don't see the benefit of that i think the hybrid has allowed the climate to have a pause and i strongly believe in that and i think for a few people i mean i understand at city council because there are i mean it goes on and on and on and you know people sometimes feel very enabled to, to speak when they just have a phone, you know, where they're ranting on something. Uh, but that is not what we have going on here. And I think the overriding climate change issue is bigger 
than some hate speech that is going on at city council. And I don't, and I see this has been working very well. So I am firmly against this. Trustee Faulkner. I had to kind of gather my thoughts on my, or my opinions on this. I had two clarifying questions. For, just so I understand, you can still, from what I could read, you could still attend, but you can't comment virtually, regardless of what happens here. Is that, because it says the meetings will still be where people can see them online, yes. but there'll be no public comment allowed to be made Correct. online. That's Correct. Correct. Then, and to me, to that me opens that up the second question. Does public comment include agenda items where a consultant comes? So that's all under the same umbrella? Yes. Okay. And then my second comment or question, as I'm gathering the rationale, I guess, is what I'm getting at for what the city memorandum says. It says it has to do with hate speech. So is there any stats on number of public comments given? and number of public comments that were hate speech that were given, meaning is it 20 out of 21 public comments were hate speech, or was it 1 out of 50 were hate speech? Is there any information on that? That I don't know. All the information I've been provided is in the backup <coughs> memo from the city's directive, so I can't tell you specifically what, what instances the city at large has experienced hate speech. All I can tell you is that our meetings we haven't. The real question is, okay, this, poli this directive is only between now and July, and so it's, it will be a very temporary measure, but it, it will have an impact, particularly on the trustees, because you would have to be in person. March, April, May. So yeah, then so it's not very long. Maybe, I don't know who would answer this question. What do we have on our agendas? Not that I know there's gonna be a lot. What do we have regarding how this could affect our agendas between now and the time we have off in July, meaning are there a bunch of consultants that would have to travel from far? Is it is there a way to gauge that now? I, it's hard to say, mm -hmm. but I do think that at least with regard to the IC committee, that may have more of an impact because we do have our mm -hmm. IC consultants come in to discuss, for example, asset allocation, mm -hmm. revisiting the IPS, which I believe we do annually, though we, we should probably But would they be off. coming in person anyway? From experience, well, they, they, they often they, they've been they've been coming in person um, pretty frequently, but they also I I can't give you a stat, but it's both. They they do come in person. They have been coming in person, and they've also used uh, Zoom when it was convenient. And, and I'm thinking of Laura. In I would just add that I think and I think about the meetings mm -hmm. we had. We had some consultants for some of our closed session meetings that have been remote. Mm -hmm. So we, they would probably have to come in person for yeah. closed session. That's yeah. right. They would. I, I'm trying to remember prior to COVID, it's so long ago, I believe even then we had some consultants appear virtually. Uh, not everybody was here in person necessarily, so even in the before times. Uh, as, thinking, uh, go ahead. No, I, I think you're correct, but they, it was not through Zoom. It was telephonically, so they would join uh, a discussion by phone. I see. I see. Uh, but, but it was not. It was not the norm. I think, as Trustee Chandra indicated, no, no. and again, that wouldn't even be an option today, yeah. if if you board adopts the uh, the city uh, uh, um, direction. So just to clarify, clarify, that would, that not, would be not be permitted if we were to adopt the city memo. Correct. Okay. Not even telephonically. Mm -hmm. Correct. Okay. okay. I think I haven't done a study. I've read about these hate speech occurrences. 
I don't believe it's like 98% of the comments. <coughs> I think it does happen occasionally. Uh, so I don't think it's a high percentage. Um, I'll make a few more observations if I may. First of all, Trustee Chandra, I certainly agree having everybody here in the room uh, together is, is much more functional. It, it, it aids the communication. It, it's certainly a superior uh, way of, of conducting our meetings. That said, I will also observe that our constituency, our stakeholders, are somewhat significantly different than the city council stakeholders. And that is that city council meetings concern events of the city, and by definition, it concerns residents of the city who are located locally. And as uh, uh, CEO Payne has pointed out, we have retirees who now live all over the country and all over the world. So their ability to participate, should they want to, would certainly be impacted. They, no one's going to fly to to the city to uh, probably comment on a particular agenda item. And I think it would impair our ability to function if now we cannot even have our advisors, our legal counsel, and others to uh, to dial in remotely. And we do have some important uh, agenda items coming up, uh, Trustee Faulkner. Uh, we are going to be uh, potentially interviewing new CEO candidates. Mm -hmm. We have a number of legal issues that are pending as we're about to discuss in closed session. And so all of these will be impacted by our inability to have remote participants. Um, yeah, I just want to clarify my comments. Mm -hmm. um, uh, given the expectation when we all became trustees was to be in person, that's yeah. the baseline. And given there have been no issues of the type anyone's raised in my tenure here mm -hmm. when in-person was required, everything functioned really smoothly. All I am saying is given that's the baseline and we, given the issues we have with the city, this is not the hill I would die on right now for three months. That's all I'm saying. I understand the benefits as articulated, so, but mm -hmm. I want to weigh that against the other things we mm -hmm. need to accomplish as a board and given our relationship with the city. So, so that's my driving issue is mm -hmm. that issue so first. I have a question though, is mm -hmm. it may only be for three months, but it feels to me like this becomes a precedent that then continues on forever. But if, if we don't like yeah. the way we're functioning, if, if it really is truly affecting our ability to operate, we don't have to. Right. It's a discretionary adoption of the... We could of revisit the, it in August. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I, w I will say the directive is going to be revisited by the city in July. So realistically, it's just yeah. a, a few that, That's months. their intention, but we don't know right. that they will change their, right. uh, their right. policy. But at, and also at that point, we can also revisit and see mm -hmm. how it's been going. Okay. Yeah, if this was a permanent change being requested right now, I would probably, mm -hmm. some, some of the counterpoints that have been made would weigh heavier on me. Mm -hmm. Well, let me say one thing as a city employee. Um, there's a methodology that the city does in many ways when it comes to something they want to start. They do it as a pilot. So it starts as a pilot and then it just automatically yeah. it, it moves on mm -hmm. so it's easier to start something on an interim uh, another thing is like staffing you hire a, an overstrength employee that then becomes a limitated employee that then becomes a permanent employee it's a way to get a foot in the door mm -hmm. and it's easier it's less contentious it's, it's you know 21 years of working for the city okay that's what they do. So 
we do this, it will become ongoing because the mayor would like to have more people show up at the city. Okay. Yeah, um, but we don't have we don't to follow yeah, yeah. We, we, But yeah, we don't we have, don't to, have follow. to follow it. But why? Yeah, actually, why I believe the mayor has issued an op ed opposing this particular policy. So it's, really? yeah. Wow. Uh, yes. Yeah. I think um, perhaps we're ready oh. to. We've kind of beaten this. Make a motion? Please. Yeah. I make a motion that we do not accept this. Okay. okay. To reject the uh, adoption. Yeah. Is there a second yeah. for that? I'll second it. <laughs> it's a second from <laughs> Trustee Linder. Well, my main concern, so you know, is that we are going to be doing Zoom interviews with CEO candidates to narrow the field down to see how many in person we're going to do, and that'll happen during this period. Okay. Yeah, but I—I I mean, Mark, I, I do—I uh, do support not supporting this this uh, direction from the city, uh, but I, I think those interviews you're going to be conducting they're not public meetings, so no. I don't think that that may take. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm mistaken, but, but right, this right. directive would not impact your ability to conduct interviews of CEOs. So it doesn't impact the closed session. It would, would, so once the executive search has concluded and the JPC is going to be interviewing candidates at that point, it will be conducted in closed session. Now, if a candidate would like to appear in closed session for the purposes mm -hmm. of the interview, I do not believe that would preclude them from doing so because they are not a trustee. So the, the real issue here is whether the trustees are allowed to participate remotely because if that's the case, then the, the public can. If the heart of the city directive is to restrict public comments to be in person. Mm -hmm. But it has knock-on effects with respect to the remote participation of both trustees and uh, They're tied. consultants. Yeah. yeah, so those are okay. tied, but you know, candidates for mm -hmm. interview is not Good. something they, okay. Candidates yeah. themselves. Okay. That's Thank you for okay. the clarification. All right, we have, we have a motion comment. on the table. Is there further discussion? Uh, we have one public comment. Yes. Very well. Thank we you. have a remote public comment. Please go ahead. Good morning. Thank you, Mr. Chair. My name is Brad Imamura. I am a uh, current beneficiary and a former longtime trustee for the Federated Retirement Board. Uh, I really appreciate your uh, discussion this morning on this item and especially those points uh, CEO Pena indicated with regard to the uh, possible hardship that the, it would make for uh, beneficiaries of the plan to not only attend the meetings, but uh, also be precluded from making any comments um, unless they were physically at the meeting. So again, I appreciate those points that uh, you made, uh, CEO Pena and uh, Mr. Chair, you uh, also uh, indicated those uh, specific points and also uh, Trustee Jennings really appreciated that and uh, Trustee Linder as well. So uh, again, I uh, can only speak for myself. I don't speak for any other uh, retirees, but uh, you know, sometimes you have positive uh, unintended consequences uh, with regard to the COVID. It uh, forced uh, us to go into the Zoom platform and this only created, I think, more participation and more ability for people to participate and allow for more transparency. So again, uh, thank you for uh, 
thinking of, uh, again, for myself as, as a uh, beneficiary, and I appreciate being able to make comments like I'm uh, doing right now. Again, uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, any further, any other members of the public? No. Any other trustee comment on the motion on the floor, which is to re reject the adoption? Yeah, I wanted to make just a couple of notes mm -hmm. to the, I guess what uh, Chair Horowitz had said, that it doesn't seem, at least in my short tenure, that there's been issues of hate speech, which is the purpose of this, except mm -hmm. one close um, one, I believe, at my first meeting last year, um, I point to accessibility, as was just mentioned, for member location and just access to the chance to try to get somebody to participate. Um, I fully agree with Trustee Chandra on being in person for us as trustees is typically or probably a better way to interact with each other than not if there is the choice. Um, and so I would, on the opposite side of what Trustee Chandra brought up, that if the city's going to revisit this in July 2024, I would wait until July 2024 to see what they come up with and what their rationales are for either switching back or keeping um, and maintain a hands-off approach here. Okay. Any other trustee comment then before we vote? So hearing none, uh, we'll go through the roll call. Uh, Vice Chair Jennings, the motion is to reject the adoption. Yes, I vote aye. Uh, Trustee Linder. Aye. Trustee Abbott. Aye. Trustee Chandra. Abstain. Trustee Faulkner. Aye. And I vote aye as well. Um, okay, very well. The, we will uh, reject the ad adoption and obviously we can revisit that issue if the city has a new memorandum on this subject. I do have a question. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things we could as a board have a separate thing where we decide that we want all of our trustees to be here in person and that we may, couldn't we do that? I mean, isn't it well, could, well, keep in mind for me, since I abstain, ever for me, the issue is not antagonizing the city for three months. And if anything, if it didn't go well for those three months, we would have had better support for what we just voted for. Um, so th th this isn't that I have this uh, that I think we mm -hmm. all have to be in person on balance. I think that's better. But yeah. in my in my uh, mm -hmm. commercial life, professional life, there's a lot of hybrid meetings. I'm not saying yeah. it can't work. I just think mm -hmm. as a judgment matter, it would have been better to go with the flow of the city on this one for three months and see how it works for us. Yeah. Um, but that's a yeah. that's a judgment call. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. right. mm -hmm. I was just asking, I mean, because I think we could separate some of the issues if we wanted to for ourselves, right? Well, and it does so raise an interesting question, and this is not agendized, but can the board make rules for itself that are not otherwise uh, Certainly. contained within the Brown Act or city policies or whatever. So we can say everybody has to have the meeting standing up that, that, in order to cut them, keep them short. Certainly within the jurisdiction okay. of the board to decide okay. how it conducts its meetings. Okay. Yeah. All right. With that, we are ten, five minutes past the 10 o'clock hour. We have a time certain closed session item. So if the board can, and we're going to take the original closed session item first, uh, ATAC, if that's okay. That's fine. Because we have people waiting online. I. 
presume and hope. Um, and then we will uh, send up a signal for you to come in to address the second closed session item. Okay, and then just for the record, Reed Smith is recusing ourselves from this closed session item. Correct, uh, the first closed session item. Let us Recording stopped. to the Batcave.
saying something. Uh, Reporting in progress. Thank you. Um, let's see, I believe we covered 5E and uh, uh, Council Liaison uh, Davis is still not here to. She, she stopped in for a minute and then uh, left because we were also we're still in session. Yeah, so, so uh, okay. I will s just say for the record there's no reportable action from the uh, added item today. Okay, and we're then, we're not going to revisit agenda item, I believe it was 5B. Uh, oral update from City Council. Uh, good. Now we are on to committee reports. Investment committee. Uh, uh, I believe as Senior Investment Officer Quan mentioned, we have a uh, meeting next week with a, a pretty robust agenda, so I expect to have some report outs in March. Okay, great. Uh, audit committee. Uh, Chair Avasti is not here. Jennings or Abbott, does anyone wish to report? Well, we were supposed to have a meeting <laughs> yeah. okay. uh, today, and obviously that's been postponed. Momentum, momentum. So. And, and just for the record, the reason why we're postponing that is because we did not have a physical quorum for the federated okay. side. Yeah. Do we have a date scheduled for the meeting itself then? Or not no, yet? not at this time. We'll, we'll go ahead and re-agendize okay. that pending people's availability. Okay. And on to 6-3, the governance committee. Um, oral update from the chair of governance, uh, Trustee Linder. Yes, uh, we have a couple items on the agenda coming, um, and if you want to go to those items, I can, or I can just deal with them. The um, we've been working on the, but you see the minutes are there; they can be noted and filed, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the travel policy, yes, we've been working on that. We've been doing investigations with other similar pension agencies, public pension agencies. And we've asked for Reed Smith to um, come back and give us uh, further language based on that. And so we are getting ready. Hopefully the next meeting we'll have a, a recommended travel policy for you. Uh, on the city policies, uh, I'll be recommending something that uh, Franco and I had talked about and the police and fire have already done that in the meeting we just approved those things that had no other issues with it as adopted but when i looked at it again and discussed it with franco and then also had a chance to talk with uh, the attorney on it it seems to make sense so to adopt the matrix as presented so that uh, uh, roberto can report back to the council that we've adopted these actions and then you'll see the ones that are left are things that are related to either major g or related to the irs rules or some other city charter issue and those are identified so we do two things that are important to me one is we give roberto the opportunity to go back to the council sooner rather than seeming to delay and secondly we get to tell the council in full transparency these are the areas where we don't totally agree because of the IRS or because of Major G. And then we've also will be asking Reed Smith to come back with language on those items, but at least everybody knows where we are and then how many things we've already adopted mm -hmm. uh, to approve um, as, as similar to the city. Okay. So just so to go ahead. Go, go ahead. I, I have a question. Yeah. Um, I heard that um, the attorney's office might be modifying the mini code to 
um, yes. to make it uh, a requirement that oh, you know Office of Retirement Services follow city policy. So is that is that in the works? Mm -hmm. Is that feasible? And if that mm -hmm. does, does that change what we've been looking at? So so. Before Mark answered that question, or there are questions by the trustees, let me say this, Julie. Um, and, and Barbara, please feel free to join in if I'm not being clear. Um, we had a draft meeting, a report, a meeting yesterday with the city auditor to discuss the draft report of the mm -hmm. audit of the Office of Retirement Services. Uh, that was uh, um, required because uh, the whole uh, internal auditor report and everything else. And as part of their report, they actually indicated that council had directed the city attorney's office to do exactly that, uh, which is interesting. And I mentioned on my meeting yesterday, I said that seems a bit premature mm -hmm. because you know, the boards are working on this process, even though they have already elected to, in fact, approve many of these policies and procedures that are in the city policy manual. Mm -hmm. We're still working through some uh, policies that they may or may not be exactly as indicated in the city policy manual. Right. City council has been asking us to come forward as soon as possible, but if they are taking a position that they're taking and asking the city attorney's office, I would like to know what's going on because if we're doing all this work for nothing, mm -hmm. I'm not going to go back to the city council. So, <laughs> so if, I may. If, not, if they don't really care about the answer or whatever work the boards are doing, they should let us know beforehand. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, they did. So, in the mayor's letter that was dated in October, where mm -hmm. they asked us where this item came before, mm -hmm. they did include instructions to the city attorney's office to update the Muni code, the city charter and whatnot, to have the boards follow the contracting and procurement policy and that they were going to amend those codes and come back to the board to show them to us. In the meantime though, you know, it, it's been, I don't know, since October and we haven't seen anything yet to date. Mm -hmm. the, the audit committee chairs as well as the governance committee decided that they would go forward first mm -hmm. to memorialize a document on the contracting procurement policy so we have something to be looking at. We have mm -hmm. shared um, our work with the city attorney's office. I sent that to them early last, a couple weeks ago in January, both mm -hmm. our contracting procurement policy that the governance committee is working on as well as this matrix here that gives our mm -hmm. analysis of the city policies. Right. So as you may recall in, in October, the mayor directed the board to review all the city policies and adopt and return with a status report, determining mm -hmm. which policies we would adopt. Um, we, we did that, we did a first cut, and we reported mm -hmm. back in November to the, city to the city council. Now today, this matrix here presents the phase two of that, of the remaining policies, with the exception of chapter 5.1 on procurement and also on travel. Those two things are not included in this policy review. But as you'll look in the matrix, there are generally four categories that these pol remaining policies fall under, and I can just briefly go through them. One of them is health and safety and COVID-related precautions. We're re recommending adopting that uh, for the operations of ORS. There are a number of policies that are also related to employee and labor relations and HR. 
Um, we recommend adopting those with the exception of carving out the CEO and CIO per measure G because we have our own uh, policies on that stated in the JPC charter and which will be updated in the board charter at a later date. And there is, interestingly, some of the city policies that the city wants us to adopt specifically makes an exception for ORS from the policy scope. For example, there's one policy in particular, which is policy 2.13 on discipline. And in that policy, the city manager oversees HR issues and investigations for all departments of the city except for ORS. And right. so we are specifically carved out and we don't have a policy on discipline for our employees. So that's one area, as you'll see in the matrix, that we recommend adopting our own policy or presenting to the city a policy that would address that because currently mm -hmm. there's a gap. Um, the other category here is training and development. Most of these don't relate to issues related to the operations of ORS, so we recommend adopting those. They don't abridge or infringe on our fiduciary duties either. And the last category is a little bit more problematic or nuanced here, is that most all the city policies relate to the collection of city revenue and posting mm -hmm. of and dealing with city funds. City funds are monies taken from tax revenue and it's within the city's funds. They are separate from planned assets. Planned assets are not considered city funds. And so when I was dealing with these policies and reviewing them, if you read them quite literally in terms of their scope, they don't apply to planned assets. So for our accounting division, they would not govern or apply to them based on the plain language of the policies. And so what we are recommending for this batch of policies is that we go through and amend to make it clear that it applies to plant assets. So this kind of highlights the confusion that arose when we had a previous audit discussion where staff was confused about whether or not the city policies applied to them. Mm. And the confusion arose because they used the word city funds, but it didn't say plant assets. And in, in essence, we have been following them in practice but mm. technically they don't apply to us because we don't mm. deal with city. For example, one of the policies is like, what do you do about taxes, tax collection and how do you post that with the revenue right. streams with the city? Mm. So, you know, we, there's some cleanup that needs to be done. There's no harm in adopting those because technically mm. <laughs> they relate to city funds Damn. and don't apply to us, but we do recommend mm. uh, modifying them and presenting them to city council with, you know, just maybe mm. another swath of policies just to make clear that these these are the policies that would apply okay. to us. So a couple of clarifying questions. This matrix, uh, the original memo in November, it had an Appendix A and Appendix B. Right. The policies we already conform and the ones that are still under investigation. Correct. So does this new matrix here, today's attachment, include everything on that Appendix B? or are there some things that are not even on there? there? there it is everything on Appendix mm. B with an exception of two things. One, the contract mm. and procurement uh, section, which is 5.1. Okay. And the second section would be on travel, because currently we have um, discussions of how the board wants to dictate mm -hmm. its own travel policy, whether or not we want to make a carve out for investment staff as it relates to their due diligence okay. and whatnot. So that's safe for a later date. We have not, mm -hmm. that would be, likely phase three. Okay. And you said you shared this matrix with city attorneys. Correct. Was there a feedback or comment from them on this? No. Okay. No. The, the only comment, I they didn't comment on the matrix. What mm -hmm. they said in, in response was, 
We are going to come back in early March, maybe April, mm. regarding uh, what the recommended changes are to the Muni Code and <coughs> the mm -hmm. tr city charter. Because, as you may be aware, whenever there's a change in the the charter or the Muni Code that as applied to the boards or the operations of ORS, it comes before the board for comments before it then goes back to city council uh, for a vote. So it must okay, come. So, uh, to, to that point, I wanted okay. to mention at the meeting yesterday that the city auditor did mention what you just said, Meta, that, that the, the city, city attorney plans, plans to come, come before the boards. And I told them, I said, we haven't heard anything. So you may be right. They may decide to send whatever changes they are recommending to the mini code uh, to be discussed at the board meetings in March or April. Uh, but we haven't heard anything yet. But my, my whole point is. If they are making changes that will actually directly impact the work that we're trying to do, it's kind of like putting the car before the horse, the, the horse, right? Like, you know, what's the point if, by the way, I can tell you that one of the sections is 4.12. They, they want to make sure, if I'm mistaken here, Barbara, please correct me. 4.12 is procurement of goods and services. They want to make sure that that section actually applies to the retirement office. And we know from your comments and from the discussions at the boards, that that's one area that we're looking at because you know we realize that we we don't perform procurement just exactly as the city would like us to. So, and that's a big contention yeah. this whole audit. So I just wanted to put that out there. I don't know. They may come back before you, the city attorney. That is, and it's a very uh, cordial discussion and it's a very very flexible language. Wouldn't be my expectation, but I'm just kind of wanting to make sure that you, we all understand that we are working on this approach that may be very much impacted by whatever the city attorney's office recommends to the city council. Right, and right. But, and, but I just want to also make clear this matrix does not address the contract and procurement policies. This is just mm -hmm. the remaining policies other than those. And I will say, though, the city council did instruct us to review all the policies and come back with a report of whether or not we adopt them, mm -hmm. separate and apart from whether or not they're going to amend the Muni Code. That's a separate okay. issue. And an amendment of the Muni Code requires just a, an affirmative vote of city council. It's not something that goes to the voters. That's my understanding. Okay. Any changes to the charter, though, are, would, mm -hmm. I think, go to the voters. Okay. Okay, so so let, me, let me comment on that before you do, Julie. That, that's very interesting, uh, Maytag. Mm -hmm. One of the comments yesterday in our meeting by a deputy city manager mm -hmm. was exactly that point, that the city council is very much interested on, on pushing forward with the timing of these issues because it appears some of these issues they would like to take to the electorate. So that suggests to me changes to the city charter yeah. or maybe measure g or whatever i do not know uh, he didn't mention but he did mention uh to be taken to the electorate so th these are you know they're issues that the electorate need to vote for them to change so at the very mm -hmm. least the city charter right <laughs> so, so the right so you know changes there is mm -hmm. a discussion about changing the legal landscape there, you know, that's within the city's purview, but I do recommend, I still continue to recommend approval of the matrix because the mayor has specifically requested we review mm -hmm. them and come back. Yeah, okay. that's my feeling as well, and I believe the police and fire board have, have taken that action. Is that Is correct? That, that's correct. And Trustee uh, Vice Chair Jennings, it sounded like you had a comment? Yeah, I did. Um, so all I'm trying 
to, you know, part of this matrix, which is very handy, is it tells us why we're suggesting something different or whatever. So, That's right. Right. Like for 3.1.3, you say, uh, except for ORS, CEO, and CIO, per measure G, measure G being in the city charter. Correct. Okay, so if it's the city charter and they want to change, they'll have to change that. But measure G is a, is a bigger deal. I, and, and I think if measure G was going to be I mean, that would, isn't that like a meet and confer also with the unions, or is that just go out to the, um, to the public? You go to the public. Uh, it's a, just on the city charter. It has to be voted by the public, I believe. That's how it was actually initiated. And I just want to make the point, Maytag, um, I'm not suggesting not to approve the, the metrics. I just want everyone to be aware of the discussions that are happening mm -hmm. on the side. Yeah. so that mm -hmm. you understand what we're dealing with and the potential implications of all the work that right. we're going through. That's all. I'm not suggesting that not, not to be approved. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Which I think this matrix is, like I said, really good. So are there any other items on here? I forget. You know, I've read it a while back um, where there's anything based on state law. So even if they modified um, the charter or modified... Um, you know, just the policy. You know, um, I, I, I can't speak to the scope of whatever they're making changes for because I haven't seen the, the but changes. But, but so there are constitute, there are two things. One, there's a constitutional fiduciary duties. So if they do something in a way that in, impacts or in, infringes or somehow takes away a constitutional duty, for example, the board is solely responsible for the actuarial competency of the assets. And so if they, go into that realm or somehow infringe on that particular duty, then yes, we would probably have to challenge that. But of course, we have an opportunity to res respond to any changes. Secondly, the only other area of law that may be impacted here would be the IRS Code 401, which requires that the plan to maintain its tax qualified status ha be separate from its plan sponsor. And so the, the plan sponsor cannot dictate how the plan is administered or and or spends its money or anything of its finances. So those are two things that need to be adhered to when, when we do look at the proposed amendments or changes, I'm sorry, to the Muni Code and the city charter. Okay. I mean, yeah. it would be the only thing that would be. I think uh, 5.3.6 refers to the state constitution and the stuff that um, we put on the matrix that's on page 10. Yeah, yeah. So for example, in that one, we, we did note that in the city policy, it requires the uh, department director for the director of finance to approve all billing procedures. And so that would be something that we believe would infringe on the fiduciary duties of the plan and also right. the IRS code rules for um, handling our finances. Okay. And what I feel is it's good to get our position out there. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the vacuum, you know, the vacuum will be filled by somebody else. Uh -huh. and, uh, yeah, and, yeah, we, and we've and shared we, this this matrix with the city attorney's office, so okay. they're yeah. aware of where we are. Okay. So with that in view, would someone like to make a motion to adopt the matrix? I was so moved. Okay. I'll stop. <laughs> All right. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give I'm I'm gonna give the tie to. Uh, uh, Trustee Linder as the maker of the motion and Vice Chair Jennings as the second. 
If there's any further discussion or public comment, seeing none, we will vote. Uh, Vice Chair Jennings? Aye. Trustee Linder? Aye. Trustee Abbott? Aye. Trustee Chandra? Aye. Trustee Faulkner? Aye. I vote aye as well. The policy matrix is adopted. Thank um, you. Thank you, yes. Thank you all. <laughs> and now on to uh, the- We're just trying to be a little more aggressive here with the city sometimes. Yeah, I think getting out in front is, is wise counsel. Um, yeah. 6-4 uh, Disability Committee, I believe we're back to Chair Linder. You are. Um, you'll be seeing in the next meeting uh, two more uh, approvals for switching to disability retirements. Uh, at our next meeting, which is March 5th, um, staff has indicated that there will probably be three cases we'll be hearing. I want to just acknowledge the staff's enormous work on this putting all of this together. Uh, Russ was also involved from the attorney perspective, mm -hmm. but we've been moving these along and we will have three more. Also, I want to refer you to the uh, dashboard information and the benefit calculation, which is something the committee requested. And I think it'll be useful for the um, board to see where are we, that's the dashboard, and uh, how are they, disability retirement benefits calculated given we have these different variations oh, right. of, of disability, I mean, of retirement, you know. So uh, we found those uh, useful and um, we'll refer that to the board. But yeah. there is no, except, you know, we're meeting, we can file the minutes, but there's no particular action required. I just wanted you to know that we are plugging along and you'll see we've made some decent progress and we got three cases to hear on March 5th. Yeah. Okay. I have a question, um, Trustee Linder. Um, I noticed that it says that as of the end of October, there are 38 cases pending, <clears throat> 35 are outstanding, three were processed, and there's like 23 deferred. What What's happening with those the ones that are like in process but not being heard by the disability committee? seems like there's a huge number and I don't have you guys probably know this but I don't have any context for how to look at those numbers in the dashboard to know whether that's good or bad well some of those we put in place some policies uh, for the committee that requires the staff to kind of really be communicating a lot more than maybe they would normally uh, to make sure that people so that somebody who's filed something hasn't said anything that we contact them, we contact them, we contact them over a certain period of time. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And so that's probably what that is. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And Sandra, I think, is out there somewhere in the Zoom world. You <laughs> can probably give me a greater, uh, but I know that's part of it, is that mm -hmm. they've been set aside. Mm -hmm. Right. Is, is, is Sandra online? If not, I can. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Do, should I go ahead and what is yeah, please. Your words of wisdom. Well, <laughs> um, I, you know, just kind of in a sh very short answer to your question. Certainly, it's not what we want to have. Um, so many outstanding applications. Um, we have developed a backlog over the last, I don't know, five or more years. So, we are. Um, kind of have our footing and we are moving as fast as we can to kind of catch up with the backlog. Um, I will say, and I think next quarter we'll 
present the data a little better, but if you look as of um, the beginning of the quarter, January, March, we had 45 applications outstanding. And then in that green column, end of the quarter outstanding, end of December, we had, excuse me, 35. So yeah. we did have a kind of a net gain on our backlog of 10 this year. So I think that shows we are, you know, making progress. It's, it's slow and steady, though. Yeah. Yes. So, so how long does someone wait to get a decision on their disability claims? It's complicated. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's very complicated. <laughs> it, I mean, I, it takes about six, you know, I would say if everything goes well, it, you know, we're clear on the body parts, we're you know, clear on the records, we have all the records, we can get scheduled. It takes about, I'd say, about six months to process an application. Um, and right now we have 35 applications in all various stages. Yeah, yeah. We're reaching out with the contact person. We're gathering medical records. We're um, scheduling appointments with doctors. The doctors are writing the reports. We're gathering, um, you know, the records to go to the committee. Yeah. So there's a, a whole variety of activities that go on to processes. Yeah, and I had one um, more. This, and I'll say right now, it's not six months. It, it's probably, you know, I, I honestly, I have the numbers for police and fire in my head, not federated, but it is well over a year right now, the, the backlog. Okay. Assuming, yeah. you know, we do prioritize if you have a financial hardship or God forbid a um, terminal illness, yeah. those we put to the top. Mm -hmm. If you're already retired, um, which some of these um, cases are, already earning a pension you know it's not a financial hardship it's not terminal those are prioritized kind of first in you know first yeah. out the oldest to newest yeah so and i think we also should state that the independent medical examiner needs to be available and there was like when i first joined i guess i'm on my new year starting this year so when i first joined <laughs> you know right i mean um, I think Roberto can help us, but we had a doctor, you know, at one point, Dr. Doster or whatever, and, and then he left, and then he consulted, and then left, and so we've gone through voids in that, because yeah. uh, it's not easy, you can't, it's not just workers' comp, it's a different kind of world. So now we have um, a, a independent, and I think we have a couple we have a couple yeah we have a couple so now we have a smoother operating um process and then sandra of course has to have the staff to process these but i think that was our biggest uh holdback thank okay, you okay. for that i had one more question what does it mean like 23 were deferred what does it mean that they're deferred is that is what I, I think it's a variety i think one yeah. i think um, what happens, there's a couple of reasons why an applicant or defer, uh, their attorney might want to defer. One could be is they've gone to the committee and the committee has m made a recommendation that's not favorable to the applicant. Okay. And they want to go back and see if they can gather more records. Um, one could be that um, they're not what we call maximum medically improved. They're waiting for their medical status to change wow. um, before they go through the process. Um, I think for, for all these people, I, I don't know that any of them are ones that we can't get into contact. There may be ones there who 
were on record as telling us a few years ago that they didn't want to proceed with their case. They wanted to put it on hold and, you know, they haven't gotten back to us yet. Yeah. So there's, there's a variety. We, you know, right now with our kind of resources, we're focusing on those applications that they're responsive and they're ready to go. This group um, of deferred um, is a group that we will, you know, be slowly chipping away with and reaching out to trying to activate but I, I hesitate to spend a lot of our resources on on a group that's told us they don't want to proceed when we yeah. have plenty who, who mm. want to proceed that makes that a lot of sense yeah mm -hmm. thank you for that all right so there's no action required on this other than file and receive okay. Correct. great so uh, if there's no further questions we'll proceed to the joint personnel committee report and I believe vice chair Chandra is here to uh, Tell us what happened. I in fact missed the last meeting, oh, so I okay. would uh, appreciate Trustee Linder or Chair Horowitz batting in my stead. Very well. So uh, we can file and receive the minutes. We discuss and recommend uh, changes to the JPC Charter, and these are essentially uh, some more elaborations how to resolve. Uh, potential uh, disagreements between police right. and fire and the federated board on hiring uh, uh, for senior executive staff uh, on their reviews and on uh, you know possible uh, uh, dismissal or other conditions so we we had you know right. uh, in, in the past previous several years we were pretty much aligned between police and fire and the federated on reviewing and on the raises for our senior executive staff. This past year, we weren't as, as closely aligned. And of course, now that we're in the process of hiring a new CEO, uh, you know, we need to have a mechanism to resolve any differences that may exist between the board if we have different views on which candidate should be hired. So uh, with That's that, correct. if there are any questions about the recommended changes, then we should uh, hopefully have a motion to adopt the recommended changes. I'll make also a move, Mr. Chair. Thank you. So we have a motion from Trustee Linder. I'll second. And a second from Trustee Chandra. <coughs> if there's any further discussion or public comment, if not, we will have a vote. Vice Chair Jennings? Aye. Trustee Linder? Aye. Trustee Abbott? Aye. Trustee Chandra? Aye. Trustee Faulkner? Aye. I vote aye as well. And then I see at 6.5D, we actually have a presentation from Alliance Resource Consulting on our recruitment, CEO recruitment timeline. I don't, are they here to present to us? No, I can do that. Okay. Um, this is the proposed timeline. We are pretty much on schedule. The, um, the brochure is out. And uh, it's got also going to be sent over to uh, Roberto to make sure the city gets it posted. Uh, it's out as of uh, the 13th. Um, Andrew and I and Maytek at all did comments to it. And then we had a final set of comments on the revised and everything is good to go. The schedule is very aggressive. We may not hit that exactly, but we're looking uh, the end of March, well, March 11th, we'd like to uh, get the deadline for the resumes, and then starting there will be the screening and uh, some of the, uh, it, it lays it out exactly, so, pretty much where we are. I have a couple of questions. Uh, uh, go, go ahead, ahead with your question, sorry. Oh, 
So it's just the, it's just sort of your phase one. So it says that there was a target list created, but I'm wondering if you can talk about kind of when you look at the target list, what kinds of criteria were you looking at for them? And we have not seen a target list yet. So it Andrew hasn't. from the police and fire and myself are kind of okay. Okay. Delegated to do some of that. We did talk about uh, what we wanted yeah. in candidates, which is reflected in the uh, the brochure that's that's now out there. Okay, and uh, was the the um, profile approved by the JPC, and is that something you need to to um, share with the boards, or is that not going to happen? No, that would no, be too cumbersome. There, so, yeah, um, yeah. The, the, it should be showing up on city websites as well as. Uh, the final, the final product, product is out there is what, my, yeah. but, but our but deliberations our that yeah. the committees mm -hmm. work, yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, but where, where could you see the profile of what we're looking for? Yeah. It should be publicly posted by Friday. Yeah, it's on their website okay. as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So it, it was issued already. It has been posted. It was issued. It went to all the different, the, the city, HR, and all the different other organizations that Alliance mentioned. I know so, not only because I know it was already, but I already got a request from an investment news monthly journal asking about why <laughs> there is a surge. I'm, I'm leaving, do I have a job, I'm retiring, so, so it's already out there. Okay. <laughs> and the brochure says that uh, Roberto is retiring, uh -huh. so there's no confusion there. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, it's a sentence out of the whole thing. So. And I just and I did, was, was wondering, wondering, when you're looking at your target list, are you looking at people, just generally, are you looking at people that have currently been in like a CEO position? Are you look, so is it, can you just give me a couple of highlights of the kind it's of like- It's going to be people who are in CEO positions or like assistant CEOs that are ready to move up and we also discussed uh, this is going to be a nationwide search, although we think it's likely a candidate will be coming from a California seven. system. Yeah. yeah. Similar agency to ours. Mm -hmm. And we are really looking at preferring eight to 10 years of experience. Okay. Uh, so it's pretty seasoned people or people who are seasoned but haven't been CEO but ready to be. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and one of the Excuse things me. I'm wondering is. is and when you're looking for this candidate, are you looking for someone who would be located here, no. or it could be any place? Well, well, they would they would have to relocate here. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. To, to yeah. actually be, yeah. Yes, that's a condition. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and one of the screening questions understands California. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is so it, one of the screening questions from the only thing. yeah Alliance will be making sure they understand our local, you know, real estate market, what they're getting into, you know, right. if they're, you know, moving from the Midwest and they think they're going to get a 2,500 square foot house for, you know, under $500,000, they need to be apprised of the reality, so. Yes, Spencer and I were able to be a part of the uh, conversation with the Alliance uh -huh. uh, right, person, right. representative, mm -hmm. and uh, Spencer outlined that pretty well. We're pretty uh, adamant about clarity up front so that they don't accept the position and then say they can't do it. And we are, we are targeting, targeting someone 
who is, you know, hopefully going to commit, you know, for a long term, not someone that's right. it's going to be a short term or stepping stone or some, yeah. some other thing. Right. Hopefully we want someone who goes in with their eyes open to what yeah. the local market and conditions are so that they can, you know, stay for a long time. Yeah, and, and obviously the candidates will be internal from the city as well as external. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was my, another one of my questions. Yeah. But. So if I, if I may just interject really quickly, just for the benefit of the board, the, the process that we've amended in our GPC and will later be reflected in our board charters is that we will hold a joint session of the two boards to interview any finalist candidates That's in right. closed session. I saw that. And um, if and then vote separately in separate rooms per board and then come back and report our votes out. Um, one thing I did want to just caution the board is that you are the decision makers for this position. And so to the extent any candidates come to approach you or ask questions about the position, I would advise that you refer them to Alliance and yeah. engage no further, um, especially since the calipers roundtable is coming uh, is coming up or the General Assembly. Mm -hmm. Please refrain from um, discussing the position with anyone there and just refer them to Alliance. Alliance should be at the conference as well. Yeah, they have offices, they have offices mm -hmm. down there. Um, and uh, anyway, yes. I guess I'm I guess wondering I'm, on that point, we will be in a, you know, relaxed atmosphere if people do approach those of us who will be you don't want us to engage in any conversation encouragement or, or well you could tell them that the position's open okay well, and then fairly... refer them to to alliance so you know it, it really is a judgment call but mm -hmm. you do want to try to avoid any sort of undue influence on, or get the sense that someone may claim that the process was unfair or you provided additional information I mean there, there is a fine line for mm -hmm. example if someone tells you and um, ask you how is San Jose do you like the city uh -huh. um, that's fair game you can answer that yeah. question but if there's any indication that they're asking particularly for this position or trying to influence you or get your take on the position in any way I again advise having all communications referred to Alliance. It's similar, for example, if there's an investment manager that you want to make an introduction to the CIO, you make the introduction mm -hmm. and step away. Okay. You know, one of the other things I was thinking about is I know the board is going to do interviews. Will there be staff doing interviews to provide their feedback on how knowledgeable this person seems or whether there might be a, um, cultural fit, cultural fit mm -hmm. or similarity in terms of investment approach so I'm thinking so here's the one thing about these interviews is that it's highly confidential who yeah. the candidates mm -hmm. are and so we would not have staff interview them because to maintain that confidentiality um, right. so who the, the way it will work is that the JPC will Alliance would do the first cut of interviews, yeah. and they'll come back with a booklet with all the internal candidates for the JPC to review. Yeah. The JPC would then review all the candidates right. and recommend a few finalists for the two yeah. boards to consider. So how would how will the JPC know whether there's a cultural fit or not? It's going to be our judgment, and as, as wise and as limited as that may be, that would be the source of it, but then all trustees will get to weigh in right. on the final candidates. Um, That's right. And yeah, I guess we would have to make a judgment based on this person's experience at whatever other plans they have worked at. So uh, that, that would be part of the yeah. consideration. Yeah, we, we did not do that for the CIO. It would, I mean, for the um, confidentiality reasons, but th yeah. that would just slow this process down and yeah. we have a little bit of urgency. Yeah. Right, and also mm -hmm. too, for example, if we did have an internal um, city employee who was trying to interview for the position, we wouldn't want to jeopardize their employment with the city 
if they mm -hmm. were to decide to change positions. And so that's why there's a lot of confidentiality around the employee, the yeah. candidates. Yeah, that's always mm -hmm. the case because people are in existing positions. It mm -hmm. jeopardizes that. I mean, there's just a lot of things to keep it highly, highly confidential. Okay, so this is, again, no action by the board, simply presentation. It is a very aggressive schedule. Initial yes. <laughs> March 25th for initial interviews seems uh, so uh, it seems I, unbelievable to me, but uh, we will see what uh, Alliance comes up with. So Alliance is very experienced in this area, and they've worked on previous yeah. searches for us in the past. So if we're so. going to have joint um, interviews, it seems to me like that needs to get on our calendars. The, there won't. There'll just be a couple of finalists. That I mean, yeah, that we'll, they'll all be at a single meeting. But but you're right. We will need we'll, to identify a date when we have a joint. That's meeting what with I'm all, thinking because that's boards. that's not very far ahead, and it'd be yeah. nice to make sure that we can clear our calendars to be there for that. That, that might be a challenge, that. but I don't think yeah. we can schedule something yet. We, we had to do the yeah. same thing with the CIO. Well, I mean, so, we'll just so here's another thing too, just to be mm -hmm. frank. Um, the candidate pool is competitive and not very large because the CEOs have been slowly retiring throughout the state of California. Yes. There's been yeah, at least right. five retirements from different public pension funds in California alone. And that's so, right. You know, there may be one or two rounds of solicitation for candidates. So again, this is a very aggressive um, timeline. We yeah. may or may not meet it. We may not have candidates apply for the first round. We have to be more aggressive in getting those candidates in the second round. So it is a little and premature. And we also need to make sure that they're willing to take an offer and make it. Because remember, when we tried to raise the range, we were declined by city council. So we're looking at what someone is also willing to accept as a salary for this position, living in one of the most expensive mm -hmm. areas, right. especially yeah. if they're well, not Well, the, the salary range is posted as part of the job, so people sh should yeah, come in understanding what, what's uh, being they offered. They should be aware of that. Being yeah. aware is another thing. Well, that's right. why we've asked the Alliance. this job always feels they can negotiate. Yeah. And just to be sure, the schedule is not the most important thing. The right. quality of the candidates yeah. is. Yeah, we have to go so back to that. We have to push the schedule out a little bit. Okay. We'll push it out. Can I sneak Can I one last one question one? in? Sure. I know we're trying to get, mm -hmm. we're almost <laughs> adjourned, and this has gone on. Um, do we have clarity from the city attorney on the scope of uh, unit uh, employee units that can apply yes we did so we had we had a call with the city's attorney's office earlier this week to discuss those issues so just in yeah. terms of scope internal candidates both police and fire anybody can apply both police and fire retired and active members there are different implications for those members so for example if you're an active employee and you apply for the position then you would be then transferred into a get reciprocity with CalPERS you would you would yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, okay. if you that are a retired member a and you apply for the position, God knows why you want to come out of retirement. <laughs> wait, wait, hey, hey, hey. We need a big pool. Of I'm, I'm kidding. We okay. need a big pool. Well, you know what, Harvey? It's really fun to report to two boards <laughs> as well. Okay. Um, but they would have to, and it's a member of the plan, they would have to suspend their benefit uh, while they serve as the CEO okay. because of financial so that's a pretty high, interest. That's a pretty high hurdle for a retiree. 
Well, that's what yeah. I said. Okay. Yes. But did a great job grinding this out with the city attorney, but okay. we finally got it over. Thank you for okay. that. Yeah, Thank and we're, we are anticipating putting together a fact sheet on some of these issues to circulate internally yes. okay. with um, this internal candidates. Okay. And and well, so it sounds like this is already being publicly uh, solicited. So how soon will that circular be available for potential internal? So are, we are aiming folks. to issue it next week. Okay. okay. Yeah. With, with the, the job posting. My understanding is the city issues like internal job postings weekly. And mm -hmm. so when they have that position next week listed as well, we'll include mm -hmm. the fact sheet. So all employees would see it and say, yeah. Correct. And, we're, and we're coordinating with the city attorney just to mm -hmm. make sure we're all on the same page with okay. that. And I, one additional comment, mm -hmm. too, is that um, we will have Alliance work with HR confidentially to, if there is right. any anonymized Good. questions about benefits, for example, mm -hmm. if you're an active employee and you transfer into the CalPERS plan, what do you do with your sick leave? How do you deal with all these additional um, premium mm -hmm. issues uh, that are unique to public employment? Yeah. And okay. remember, two boards is twice the fun. Twice yes. the time. <laughs> That's how we market uh, the position. I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Roberta. Yeah. We, of course, are the best for it. Uh, clearly, clearly. If you go to the Alliance mm -hmm. website, you will see the brochure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So any okay. of us could apply. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So no further action on 6.5D, uh, education and training. I think you can all see the various uh, yeah. opportunities to us. We have the... the the General Assembly coming up down in beautiful uh, Las Palmas, Rancho Mirage, California. So I'll be there, so you're all welcome. And if there are any proposed agenda items? I, I would just recommend, I think I'm the only one signed up for Pension Bridge uh, in April. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's worth going to, and they've moved it to Half Moon Bay, so you don't even have to go to the oh. city. Yeah, which is... Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Pension Bridge? April. I don't think it's on the agenda. That's why it's not going to be on the list. Right. It's uh, it's one of the more popular. Uh, it's uh, more of the one of the more popular investment related ones. Um, I, I was approved in the consent calendar, <laughs> so you can go look at that item for more info. Okay. Any proposed agenda items? I have. I don't know if it's a proposed agenda item, but a quick question. Okay. Was on our action from five E, which was the return to in person decision. Mm -hmm. Is we, there ever any follow-up with a written rationale of our decision back to the city on some because obviously there's some tension with them not posting our agenda um, is there ever a thought of us providing maybe we don't support hate speech but with our member set up with some future agenda items for consultants that mm -hmm. that's why we have and we look forward to the july discussion and or statistics on yeah we certain, certainly can send a letter to city council uh, and advise i, I believe roberto has i think i've seen email, e a right? memo email okay communicating you know some of those basic points okay. about yeah our, and, I, and i also our had geographically distributed you know user base yeah and i had an opportunity to speak with councilwoman deb davis when she was here briefly about huh. it so i advised her at that point okay, i see did she have any comment or reaction to that she just said okay, okay. <laughs> that's a that sounds classic uh, all right, and if there are no other proposed agenda items, we are in adjournment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you everyone. Bye, everybody.